Welcome back, Seekers of Strength, to another compelling episode of Gathering Strength, the podcast where we explore the transformative journeys of individuals who have harnessed strength in the face of adversity. I'm your host, Ruby Rube, and today's episode is nothing short of extraordinary. As we sit down with the one and only Mr. Paul Casey, a remarkable man who turned a decade-long incarceration into a narrative of triumph. Have you ever wondered what it takes to emerge from the confines of prison and not only rebuild your life, but thrive? Our guest today is living proof that strength can be cultivated even in the most challenging of circumstances. From serving time to becoming a personal fitness coach and a motivational speaker with a successful business. Now, his story is a testament to the power of resilience and self-discovery. As we dive into his journey, we'll uncover the secrets behind acquiring psychological, physical, spiritual, and financial strength. How did he navigate the psychological challenges of incarceration? And what mindset shifts were crucial to his rehabilitation? How did physical strength training become not just a means of fitness, but a cornerstone of his personal transformation? Join us in exploring the role of spirituality during his time behind bars and how it continues to shape his path today. What lessons did he learn about financial strength while establishing his business post-incarceration? These are just a few of the questions we'll be unraveling in today's episode. As our guest shares insights into his dual role as a personal fitness coach and motivational speaker, we'll uncover the principles and practices that have empowered him and are sure to inspire you. What does it take to motivate others to overcome challenges, especially when you have faced and conquered your own? This is more than just a story of redemption. It is a roadmap for anyone seeking strength in every facet of their lives. So buckle up for an enriching conversation as we gather strength from the depths of adversity with our guest, Coach Paul, a living testament to the podcast's essence. This is Gathering Strength, where stories of resilience come to life. Before we dive into the conversation with Coach Paul, I need to kick off this podcast episode, as always, with a quote from the GOAT. Warren Buffett, the greatest investor of all time, he said, the more you learn, the more you earn. And by golly, you're going to learn today. I want you to have the buff body, the buff mind, the buff spirit, and the buff bank. Why? Because life is heavy, and we're not always going to have a spot. Luckily for you, I got you back. Now that we're all warmed up, loose, and limber, let's get into the heavy lift. My conversation with Coach Paul. I'm Coach Paul. I am an online fitness coach. I primarily work with busy moms that want to lose 20 plus pounds without doing tons of cardio or giving up carbs because uh, you don't have to stop eating pizza to lose weight. You can still enjoy the foods you love. You just got to be smart about it. And I'm an online, so on top of being an online fitness coach, I'm a motivational speaker 
and I speak primarily to at-risk youth or anyone that is relevant to the at-risk youth because once upon a time, I was an at-risk youth. And so I grew up in a broken home. Mom struggled with drug addiction. Dad was physically, emotionally abusive. He had anger issues. Um, they, did, they did the best they could with what they knew. By the time I was 15, I, the streets had its hooks in me. I got hooked on drugs, um, started affiliating myself with the wrong type of people. And from 15 to 18, I pretty much spent more time incarcerated than I spent free. Combination of juvenile hall, boys' homes, mental hospitals. And even when I was free, I was on drugs and I was homeless, wandering the streets. Wow. Crimes. Not being an active, success, successful member of society, kicked out of three different high schools, finally dropped out. I just wasn't on the right path. By the time I was 18, I went to jail for the first time. Uh, 19, I went to prison for the first time. And uh, I got out after doing some prison time, about a year and a half. I got out, tried to get my life together, got a job, got a girlfriend, you know, was just kind of doing good. We enrolled in some college classes, but I wasn't really actively working on myself. I never healed from traumatic experiences. I never really done any deep work on my spirit, mm. on, on my emotional well-being. And because of that, the street life called me back. And eventually I, I, I took the choice to, to commit a crime that had me looking at 27 years in prison. And so when I was 23, I was looking at 27. Basically, I was looking at more time in prison than I'd actually been alive. And uh, it was a turning point for me. I ended up getting 10 years in prison, and I take that as a blessing. I feel like I was blessed that I didn't get 27, but I was also blessed that I was sent away for a long enough time to really allow me to, to grow, to learn, to work on myself. And during those 10 years, I didn't actively work on myself 100% of the time. I made a lot of mistakes. My drug addiction still struggled with it. Anger issues still struggled with it. I, got, I still got in trouble while I was incarcerated. Um, it wasn't until the last year in prison that I finally was just sick and tired of the route I was going down. And I made a conscious decision to make some changes. So my last year, basically year nine to year 10, I actively worked on myself. I actively participated in my betterment through personal development, through uh, different programs that they had at the prison I was at, through education, through knowledge, through books, through journaling, just different techniques that I learned to work on myself. And uh, yeah, so I've been out of prison for a little over five years now. And in the little over five years I've been out, I've been able to interject myself into a beautiful family. I have a beautiful girlfriend. She has two kids. They are my pride and joy. I love those two boys as if they were my own bloodline. Um, we've bought a house. I have two successful businesses. I have, I've been on the rounds of speaking in high schools, colleges. I've run one live event. We have our next live event in Castro Valley on February 17th. Nice. I've got speakers from all around the country coming out to speak on our stage. Oh, wow. And and I am uh, actually going out to Florida in two weeks to go to a mastermind event where I will also be speaking on stage. I spoke on a couple stages now. I spoke in front of uh, you know uh, dozens, if not almost, you know, I, at one event I was at, I actually got on stage and spoke in front of like 750 people. And I'm just on a mission to make the world a better place and use my story to impact lives. How do you find the confidence to get up on stage and tell your story? Do you ever battle with imposter syndrome? So in my, in my business aspects, I do battle with imposter syndrome from time to time. Getting on stages are not hard for me because I'm just sharing my story. Right? I can't be an imposter when I'm speaking my story. I really live. There you go. You know? Great answer. And so 
yeah, you know, I, I, it's for me, it's the, uh, the imposter syndrome comes up when I'm doing things that individuals like myself that have come from my background don't do right. Don't, we don't have the opportunities I put myself in. We don't have the conversations, you know, I have conversations with multimillionaires on a daily basis and that doesn't accidentally happen. I've done a lot of work to get there. I have this saying actually posted up on my board here in my office that says amazing doesn't just happen. You know, mm. and I'm a firm believer that we have to take action to make things happen. And so I put myself in rooms with very successful people and it's because of the work I've done and because of the belief I have in myself. You er know, um, and you, you asked me a little while ago, I want to answer a question because I don't know if I fully answered it for you, Ruben, but you asked me um, what gave me the confidence to share my story. Yes. And, and you know, when I start, first started building my first business, my online fitness coaching business, I hired a mentor, I hired a coach. And I pretty much cleaned out my bank account in order to hire him, but I knew I had to take a step to, uh, to elevate. And when I hired him, he had a similar background to me. He had been to prison. He had struggled with drug addiction. And he was a high-level entrepreneur making a lot of money, being really good, making huge impact in the world. Mm -hmm. I loved his mission. And so I attached myself to it. And he taught me how to build my business. And he taught me how to be on social media. And he taught me how to share and one thing I didn't share was my story. And he, one time he told me, he said, why don't you ever share your story? Now you have a, a powerful story. And I yep. was like, I kind of don't want people to know my story. Mm. And, and he looked at me, we were on a Zoom call. He looked at me and he goes, that's selfish, man. There you go. And I was like, selfish? What do you mean it's selfish? Oh, goes, yeah, big time. Yeah. And he was like, well, your story can save someone's life. So yeah. by keeping that story to yourself, you're, you're being selfish because you're leaving someone without the opportunity to learn from you, to grow from you, and become better. It's not anytime I doubt sharing my story, which doesn't happen very often anymore. But I always remind myself that if I don't share my story, I'm being selfish. Now, when you think about it, think about all of the people who have shared their story when you were on your journey towards enlightenment and getting rid of the bitterness in your heart and setting your sails towards growth and flourishing. All of the people that shared their story if they didn't share their knowledge and how to and hey, I've been there and this and that, hey, you know what? They would have they would be leaving people like you and me in the dark to to figure out our 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 own path. And you know, a wise man is able to learn not only from his own mistakes and triumphs, but a wise man can learn from other people's mistakes and triumphs. You had said something along the lines um, that coincides with a great quote from one of the fathers of philosophy. Aristotle said that excellence is not a accident. It is what you re repeatedly do. So consistently setting yourself up for flourishing and consistently setting yourself up in situations that are outside of your comfort zone that are going to promote growth and gathering strength. That's when you gain the competence over the actions that you're doing and you're noticing that what you're doing is working and then you continuously do what is working and you stop doing what doesn't work and you gain confidence, you gain your strength and then that is kind of what emboldens you to be like, hey guys, uh, you know, uh, I've been able to put it together and because I've been able to put these different concepts together, I've been able to produce some fruit for myself. And therefore, you know, I know that there's other people out there who are struggling with the things that I have been able to figure out. And while my, the, the, the things that I have done 
you may not do it exactly how I did, but it's going to be in the same realm of, hey, let, let's go to bed on time. Let's wake up early. Let's have a, a good, healthy breakfast. All of those fundamentals are going to be applicable to everybody. Absolutely. Completely agree with you. Now, when, when you were in, when you were incarcerated, you know, there is a, another, uh, it's something that I learned. Uh, the two catalysts for change are inspiration and desperation. Now you said that you were sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that you said it was on your ninth year. Now there is a book by, uh, I think his name is, uh, Jim, Jim Wink. And the book is called Limitless. And he was talking yes. about how, uh, Malcolm X, when he went to prison, uh, he could have just, you know, did his time and been hard-headed and just, you know, pretty much just staring at the wall for his 10 years. But what did he do? He read his books. He enlightened himself, and he came out as Malcolm X, you know, the, the one, the the brilliant mind that the world has come to know, know and admire. Now, he— he could have used that that time as dead time or a lifetime, and that sounds similar to what you did. You were able to use that time in in solitary uh, confinement, you know, in your prison cell to enlighten yourself. Now, can you uh, do you remember? Was there like a certain point, something that you learned that just kind of turned you in the opposite direction to go down the path of? enlightenment rather than coming out embittered and you know even worse so there's a lot to unpack there first mm -hmm. off um so yeah is jim quick that wrote limitless yes and i'm currently on page 89 of that book right now oh nice that's literally my my current read right now so i actually heard him speak at an event two months ago and i bought his book and i've been reading it over the last week and a half so it's funny that you mentioned that because that's my current read. Great book so far. Nice. Um, now, for me, you know, I can't say it was a specific moment, mm -hmm. right? Because during those 10 years, it was a consistent transformation. It was just a broken transformation. Mm. And what I mean by that is fitness has always been a part of my life ever since I was young. And so... That was the easiest transformation for me. The fitness. Uh, it was easy to use my time and focus on fitness, but not just focus on fitness in the aspect of me getting fit, but focus on fitness in the aspect of helping others get fit. Mm. Right? So I become utterly obsessed reading every book and magazine on fitness and nutrition and health I can get my hands on. Right? So hundreds of thousands of hours of reading these books. There you go. Maybe not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds. Definitely thousands. I don't know how many thousands. I was yeah. there for 10 years, right? But that was a big transformation for me, learning more about fitness, learning about the body, learning about the response the body has to different techniques. So that happened over time. But then on top of that, I enrolled in college classes, and I began to educate myself there in different topics as well. Nice. But it wasn't until I got further in that I started to work on healing. And he healing. My emotional and mental state, you know? Mm. Okay. And so it was, it was like, I don't know, it was, it was kind of a roller coaster, Ruben. 
My what? entire tenure was, was a bit of a roller coaster because there was moments when I did really good and I was on track to be a successful human being whenever I got out. And then there was moments where life would show up and because I never actually healed from past experiences. I had never worked on my emotional and mental and spiritual state yeah. that when life showed up, I didn't respond. I reacted. Mm. Yes. Right. And, and so like in uh, five years in, in uh, 2013, my mom passed away and she was my backbone. She was all I had. And when she passed away in 2013, I gave up for a very long time. Yep. I gave up. I didn't care about anything. So my drug addiction took off. My anger took off. And I got in a lot of trouble while I was in there. I got in fights. I was getting high. I was just not, you know, like my destiny, I felt at that time was sealed to never be a successful human being. Interesting. Um, and go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and in August of 2017, all of that changed. And I had an epiphany, and I was just tired. I was just done. And I started taking action. I, um, so that's kind of like August 2017 is where the, the change really happened. So you had mentioned emotional healing. What does that look like for you? Because I, can, I, can I share one example that, that I feel that uh, emotional healing has taken root in my heart is in situ is, um, situations where, you know, let's say just things aren't going my way for whatever reason. Let's say I'm at work and I'm having A, B, C, and D all the way to Z just go wrong. You know, traffic, uh, late, just whatever. Everything that could go wrong, going wrong. Now, rather than having that energy just pent up and I'm just feeling stress and I'm just like, uh, it's just being bottled up. And then I come home and then, hey, I take it out on, on the family, on myself. I start drinking. Rather than handling it like a man, I would, you know, numb it. I would, you know, hey, I had a rough day at work. I'm going to go have a beer. I'm going to go have a blunt, a bong. I'm going to go just do self-sabotaging habits, things that don't promote emotional well-being. As a matter of fact, they stifle your growth and they put you on a spiral going down. And now, because I do have the coping strategies that when I am in a situation that is overwhelming, stressful, chaotic, you know, you said that you would react and I had the same inhibition too, to where it's like, oh, hey, this is going on. I need to react. Now I can put time in front of that and I can calm myself down. I know that this moment too is going to pass. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be all right. I have everything. And if anything, now I look at it as an opportunity for growth. And when I do fumble and fall short and fall flat on my face and I don't uh, act up to, to my own standard, I feel it in my conscience, my, my, my heart is, is heavy, and now I apologize, I look for what I could have did better, and then I strive to do that the next time. I'm not always gonna, gonna act in the, in the right way, but at least it is something where it's convicting me in my spirit, and I, I ask for forgiveness, whether it's from the person or, you know, to, to whoever, and I just, you know, hey, keep, keep it moving. You know, this is a, a little stumbling block. I'm going to learn from it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. 
So that that's what emotional healing looks like and feels for me. What does it look like for you? Very similar. Very okay. similar. Um, I think for me, one of the things um, when it comes to my emotional healing, and it's still a it's still a consistent, continual process. But a lot of times, for me, the emotional healing is being able to dive deep into where specific feelings or thought processes come from. And usually they come from something that has happened to me as a child or throughout my life. And then I'm now reflecting that past experience onto a current experience. Mm, yeah. You know, so that's, you know, something I talk about a lot is healing little me, right? Paul as a kid, Paul as a young child that couldn't defend himself or couldn't deal with whatever situation was happening. Now I'm able to heal that person. And as I heal that person, I'm able to overcome current situations that trigger those feelings from back then. Yeah, it, it sounds like, you know, we have a, a similar path where you and I, we didn't have the role models in our lives that was setting a firm foundation of emotional understanding and emotional coping skills. And how weird is it that now, you know, me as a 40 year old man, I, I'm, how old are you? I am 38. All right, 38 years old. You know, when, when I was younger, I didn't have a man like you in my life or me in my life and therefore i was being led by other blind people who were doing you know status quo things you know um uh, just a out of shape they they didn't you know their psychological understanding of themselves was non-existent and because they didn't understand their own inner workings they couldn't teach me how to understand my own inner workings. The only way that I knew how to handle my emotions was with my fist. And the reason why I did it that way is because that is how a young man in my family, that's how we grew up to show how tough we were. We, we were. You know, um, how, how many fights have you been in? How many beers can you drink? And it's like, hey, uh, wow, Ruben can drink, you know, 12, 16, 18 beers. Ruben can get into a fight and hold his own. Hey, let's give Ruben a, a, a pat on the back. And therefore, as a young man growing up, you know, I, I like being rewarded by the men in my life. So, hey, guess what? I'm just going to keep doing the same thing. Essentially, that's what they were doing, and that's how they were brought up. And that's the only way that they know how to bring up a young man is by showing them the things that – they were taught and they're passing that down onto me, which, you know, goes into biblical wisdom as the, the, the blind will lead the blind. Um, what is something that has evolved in your mind? Because you said that uh, the, the physical aspect of your well-being, that was something easier for you to do. Over time, has your physical well-being evolved into something more other than just, hey, losing fat and getting jacked and, you know, having the muscles all pumped up? Has it evolved into something a little bit more of an evolution, of a, of, of a mature evolution? Absolutely. I love that question, especially because a lot of people look at fitness or physical opportunity as like a linear thing. Like it's just weight loss or muscle building. Mm -hmm. There's no like, there's no great area for so many people. 
Um, so I, I like to pit large events or challenging experiences and then use these as tools or as motivators for my fitness. Okay. And so when I say that, I'm not a huge runner. Like, don't get me wrong. I used to run in prison because he had nothing else to do. But I'm not a fan of running long distance. Mm -hmm. So I went and ran a half marathon. Mm -hmm. And now I've done a couple half marathons. And I plan to do a full marathon, right? Yeah. Not my forte, not my specialty. Like, you're running five miles really fast. Like, right now, I can't do that, you know? Yeah. I can run five miles, and I can see you dusty, Ruben. Yeah. But the point of it is I like to pick these things that are not really relevant to exactly what the ideal standard is and switch things up, right? So for myself this year, the three main things I focused on was I completed the Spartan trifecta, nice. which is completing three Spartan races. Um, and I made it even more special and I did it within two weeks. Oh, wow. Right? And so I, yeah, I kind of destroyed myself for those two weeks. Right? <laughs> And then the other two goals I have are a specific physique. I want to finish the year off at 200 pounds, 18% body fat, which I'm really close to. Um, it's looking like I won't match those exact numbers because if I decrease my body fat where I'm at right now, I'll probably go lower than 200 pounds. But if I maintain 200 pounds, the body fat's going to stay pretty, like it's going to go down, but it's going to stay pretty close. So I'm kind of playing with that right now to see how close I can get to that specific physique when I finish the year. And mm -hmm. then I do martial arts and I'm really close to my black belt. And so the other goal was to finish my black belt this year. Now I'm, I'm really close. I don't know if I'll actually get it at the end of the year, like by the, by December 31st, but I will know that with these challenges I've put for myself, I've pushed myself, I've driven myself and I put all the effort possible within myself to get there. Whereas so many other people, they don't have a specific goal like that or a highly attained goal where they have something so big that they're pushing for that they ever actually accomplish anything. Interesting. You know? Yeah. And so, and, and so, so today it's, it's about challenging myself. It's not about back in the days when I was young and I was a skinny kid, it was like being really big so that people wouldn't pick on me or mess with me. Now it's about what is something that's really hard for me. Yeah. And what do I need to do to challenge myself and push myself to get that, accomplish that or get as close to that as possible. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, when you do get your, your goal of 200 pounds and 18% body fat, you know, uh, wh wh where do you go from there? You know, I, like, how do you just keep going? Like, do you just maintain that, that 200 pounds and the 18% body fat? Because, you know, it, it, inevitably, you are going to get it. Now, wh where do you go from there? Just ma maintaining it? Well, that's a great question. We're coming up on a, a new year, and one of the uh, the next challenge I have already picked out for next year, um, I have a few picked out. One is to complete a full marathon, nice. which I'm, I'm not looking forward to, but I will get it done, right? Yep. Um, I don't like running that much, you know, but I'm going to do it because I, I want to say like, 0.001% of the world's population has ever finished a full marathon. Like, it's such a tiny number. And the world's population is big, so it's still a lot of people. Yeah. But if you look at it and you can say at the end of your life, like, I did something that a tiny percent of the world's population has ever completed, you know? Yeah. So 
That's one of the goals for next year. Another goal for next year is to do a bodybuilding competition. Uh-oh. Hey, there you yeah. go. <laughs> All right. Right? So 200 pounds, 18% body fat still is not enough. I need to get, I need to get more, more lean for a bodybuilding competition. I yeah. need to get on stage and challenge myself and push myself. And that's going to be very hard because I like to eat for so many years being incarcerated where there was a, a limit on the food intake I was given. There was a limit on what food I ate. I like to eat now and I'll eat a lot because I'm definitely not overweight. Yeah. Right. But when you're going for something like being on stage for a bodybuilding competition, you have to be super strict, borderline starting yourself to shred up the way those guys are. Yeah, definitely. And I bet you that the marathon training is going to empower you and you're going to look at it like, man, if I can run a marathon and be disciplined in this realm, I can apply everything that I've learned into pretty much anything and that is one of the beautiful things about doing something hard the intangible asset is that you give yourself the confidence to man it's like hey i i know how to learn i know how to delay gratification i know how to strategize i just know how to set myself up for success and if i can recommend anything when it comes to the marathon journey i would say hey do your training with no music no music, no podcast, no nothing. Everything that you have to fuel yourself is all in your head. All of the good, all of the bad, all of the ugly, all of the beautiful, all of the things that you aren't even aware of. When you're running, just let those thoughts come into your mind and whatever it is, just let it freaking fuel you. Be, be, and that is a great way for you to come in tune with your thoughts with your body, with your breath, and man, that that is a powerful thing to be able to train with no music. Um, I I kind of feel that running with music, you know, th that's that's great. You know, there, there's a time and place for it, but I almost feel that it is kind of like a pacifier, where it's like, hey, I need this music to to run. I I need this song. I need a external device to fuel me when I believe that you miss out on a lot when you let the emotions, whatever it is, come up inside you and you feel that instead. There was a, a moment um, when I decided to like, hey, I'm never going to run with music again. Uh, I was running. Um, I start always early in the morning. And as I end my run, the sun is just coming up. And there was this beautiful sunrise. And here I am. I'm all, you know, pumped up. I'm all sweaty. And it, it's a cool, crisp morning. And there's just like steam coming off of me. And this beautiful sunrise is coming up. And then all of a sudden, a damn Katy Perry song comes on. And don't get me wrong. I love a good pop song. But for that time... In that moment and in that place, a bubblegum pop Katy Perry song, Baby, You're a Firework, was, was playing. And I was like, man, <laughs> it, it, it threw me out of the serenity that, that, I was, that I was intended to feel. Here I am, a human made of nature, um, immersed in nature, and I'm witnessing a beautiful sunrise coming up. Like, dude, that's supposed to be a, a gift from God, a, a gift from, from the universe. That's supposed to be something that you're supposed to be tapping into, not a damn Katy Perry song. Know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. 
Yeah. So, um, do you have the marathon that you're that you have in mind? I know the San Francisco Marathon. I'm signed up for that one next year. That is uh in in July. It's in July. Yep. That is a great time to do it because hey man, that sets you up uh for for that also for that summer body too. You know where you can be walking around a little bit more confident. You're you're gonna be more disciplined and then that kind of just sets up your summer and if you can uh, find a bodybuilding championship that is close you know a, a little bit after that and that's how you really keep the the momentum going absolutely um so i haven't picked one just yet and one of the things i have going on actually this is probably be a good conversation or a good question for you you are uh, a lot more inept with running than I am. So I am. I have a friend, and he is an amazing videographer, and he is running across America next year. Yeah. And so he's running from L.A. to New York. It's going to take about five months. And I'm going to do California with him. So I'm going to run from L.A. to either Nevada or Arizona. We're kind of trying to figure out where I'm going to run to. Based wow. On time. Nice. But, but, you know, so about 20 miles a day. And of course, we won't run the whole 20 miles. We'll do the best we can, but it's 20 miles every single day. It's very demanding on the body. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time. 20 miles yes. every single day, all the way across America. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a huge commitment. Absolutely. And so my thought process is one of two things. A, I do. I was thinking I would do the full marathon after that run, mm. and come home, recover, and then I know I've ran 20 miles every day for two and a half weeks. I can take a break, a week off, do some recovery, some foam rolling, some ice baths, and then hit a marathon. So I was trying to try to find a marathon that's around that time frame to see if that was possible. Um, but then the other thought process was maybe I do the marathon before I run across California because that right there would kind of prep my mind for the run across America. Mm. You know, you already have the mindset to do it. It's just going to be a, a, a aspect of just uh, putting your money where your mouth is type deal. And, yeah, you're, you already are the, the, the archetype for someone who can tackle this. So uh, there is a old, um, an old, well, once again, a father of philosophy, Epictetus. He says, uh, don't talk about your philosophy, embody it. Now, everything that you have come to know, learn, and love, and everything that you have been doing, the path that you have been on, the marathon is going to be an opportunity for you to test your mettle. You know, that's going to put you through the crucible. That is going to, you know, put you through, through the test of, Hey, all right, you, you signed up for this. And you know, the, the, the incredible thing about the marathon is that the marathon day, that is the cherry on top. You know, the, the actual test is doing the training because in the marathon journey, the race day, that's like your final 26 miles. You're supposed to have put in hundreds of miles before then. And the thing about running is whatever you put into it, that's what you're going to get out of it. If you take a shortcut, hey, plan on struggling and suffering so much more on that race day than what is necessary. And it's similar to in, in life. The more that you 
scratch the itch of your Instagratifying vice of whatever it is, sooner or later, when that test in life comes, whether it's a financial test, a emotional test, or a spiritual test, whatever it is, if you have been taking shortcuts and you haven't been doing your due diligence in life, you're going to suffer unnecessarily when that test in life comes. And there is a little concept that I like to always envision in my mind. I always like to prepare. There's a storm coming. I don't know when and where, but you know, something is going to happen that is going to test my metal. It's going to test my finances. Like for example, uh, there is a pipe in my house that is, you know, potentially going to be costly. And we had a plumber come over and he's looking about, uh, I don't know, worst case scenario. He's like, hey, this might cost $8,000 to fix. So I'm like, you know, damn, <laughs> right? There's so many other things that I would like to spend $8,000 on other than a freaking pipe. Now, if I don't have the finances to do that, you know, I'm going to be going into debt. I'm going to, you know, have to pay some interest on it. But because I have been doing the things that, need to be done to have that little bit of a cushion, you know, I, I have the money to pay for it and just, hey, you know what, charge it to the game. I'm blessed to have the money to not have that that cycle of spiraling downward financially and I can, you know, go on with my life. How do you prepare for, you know, these inevitable storms that unfortunately are going to be coming on in and onto your path, you know. Um, there's unfortunately your 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 car your car is gonna break down. Your goldfish is gonna die. You know, a you you may lose a client. You may you may lose all your clients. How do you prepare for the inevitable storms? Yeah, that's easy. I did ten years in prison and <laughs> lost my wife, my oh, mom. Wow, yeah. And fucking whole decade of my life. Ain't nothing else to fucking do. Like only the, the only thing that can happen next is that I die. You know, like Wow. I've been hey. fucking I have seen the bottom. You know, I've been there. And you know what? That is why thank you for reminding me who I am talking to on the phone. And that is why I am having you on the podcast because you have been to the bottom. You have been incarcerated for 10 years. You lost your mom. You lost your entire everything that, that you were. And regardless of you having been to the bottom, you emerged and you came out of that shitty dark place. You were like the, the, the phoenix rising. And man, you did the things that you needed to do and you have delivered yourself from that. So it's like, man, what an, an awesome testimony. And you know what? That's why we, we, we talk about where we've been, the problems that we have overcome, and the solutions that we have implemented to prevent, you know, going back there. Absolutely. I think just to clarify for the audience, too, it's not like the thoughts will come up. It's not like when things happen, I'm not like, oh, this is horrible, or why me, or poor mm, me. Yeah. But they don't last. There you go. And that's the biggest thing is for so many people. It's okay for those thoughts to come up. It's it's inevitable. But what do we do when it happens? Like you just mentioned about the pipe first. Yeah, you'd like to spend $8,000 on something else, this and that. Oh, shit. But 
I have the opportunity and I have the money or the access to credit or whatever I need in order to fix that pipe. You know? Yeah. Like when I look at it like that, then I'm just like, oh man, this, you know, I had some car issues recently and I was like all pissed off. Like, damn, a stupid car, this and that. I'm like, hey man, I have a car. Yeah. It's my car and mm. it's paid off and I have a driver's license. And okay, for a couple of days, I couldn't drive my car, but I had money for Uber or I have people that care about me that could give me a ride or I'm physically healthy enough to walk if I need to walk somewhere. Holy shit, my car not working is not a really bad thing. You know, um, I have business coaches. I'm in a couple of different masterminds. And one of my business coaches, he, he talks about this story. And it's basically a, 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 like a zoom out story where there's, you know, there's a guy. Let's see. Well, how does it go? Give me a second. I'm going to remember. Okay. So there's like a Lamborghini. And the guy in the Honda Accord pulls up next to the Lamborghini and goes, damn, I wish I had a Lamborghini. And then the guy on the bike rides by and says, damn, I wish I had a car. Mm. And then the guy sitting at the bus stop is like, damn, I wish I had a bike. Mm. Right? And then the guy on the bus stop or the guy walking down the street is like, man, I wish I could afford to take the bus. And then it zooms out to the guy in the hospital bed that's like, man, I wish I could walk. And this is why I run, dude. That's why I run because I know that you know, um, you know, I'm not the biggest, the baddest, the fastest, the strongest. I'm just a guy who is honoring his strength. The mobility that I have is like, dude, are, are you just going to take that for granted? Or are you going to be a good steward of what you have and use it to get more of the strength and the discipline? Um, let me share with you. It's something on par with the story that you just shared. There was a time when I was just, you know, once again, having those badass days, just frustrated, you know, just name whatever was going on. And I'm in my car and I'm just in my own head, just ruminating, just bad thoughts. And then I see on the, the crosswalk, there is someone who is in a wheelchair and she has a, a pencil in her mouth. And she doesn't have like use of her arms or her legs. Like she just, she's just out on her own in one of those, those motorized wheelchairs. And she has a a pencil in her mouth, and she's pushing the cross button. And I was just like, dude, I am such a freaking moron for taking for granted everything that I have: my car, my health, my just everything. And here is that woman in her wheelchair having to use a pencil to push a button because she doesn't have use of her arms or her legs. Exactly. Yeah, so hey, uh, the moral of the story, of both of those stories is gratitude, right? That is a superpower. Can you take a, uh, take us through your morning routine? Because I believe that having a strong morning routine sets up the dominoes in your day that they can fall in your favor. Absolutely. Um, and I can't say I do this perfect every day, but I definitely do it very well every day. Um, so my morning routine, my alarm goes off at 4.45 a.m. I get up, 
I go downstairs or I get up immediately, I drink some water. I always start my day with water. I have the water bottle by the side of my bed so I can start my day with hydration because that is key to success. Some people don't realize that you do dehydrate while sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so so I drink my water, I take my morning pills, my daily vitamins, my vitamin D, my fish oil, all the good stuff. I'm head downstairs, get my co- cup of coffee going, and then I head downstairs to my office. I have a restroom down here. Um, and I actually, funny story, I sit on, I use the bathroom and I have a daily reading that I read while using the restroom. Cause nice. I feel like that's a, that's a place where so many people waste time. <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's a natural occurrence that has to happen, but it's a waste of time. So most people, they sit on their phones while using the restroom, which is funny because if you think about it, you start scrolling your scrolling your phone. You probably spend more time in the bathroom than you actually need to finish what you got to do. Mm-hmm. So, I do my reading, use the restroom, I get up. The next step is uh, I go out to the garage and I get my workout in, depending on what day of the week what the workout is in, uh, or I go for my run, depending on once again what day of the week it is, what I have on my schedule. Um, I complete my workout. Um, I come home. I get home, or I come back inside from the garage. I take a cold shower. Um, I use a cold shower to refresh myself, to wake myself up, to kind of just shock my body after my workout. Okay. Um, after, after I finish my cold shower, I do some journaling. I finish the journaling. Oh, nice. I'm sorry. I do burpees every morning too. So be, like before my actual workout, I do burpees. Even nice. if it's not a workout that involves burpees, I do not a lot of burpees, but it's just one of those things where everyone hates burpees. So I told myself, I'm going to do burpees every single day. Because everyone else hates them, so nobody else is doing them. There you I'm go. doing them before everyone else is even awake. So I've already accomplished something before the rest of the world is even awake. Not the rest of the world, because I know people like you are up. But <laughs> most people you, you damn are right. still sleeping. <laughs> right? Most people are still sleeping <laughs> while I'm doing something that most people hate. So yeah. I do my birthdays, I do my workout, I take my cold shower, I do my journaling. And then it's by 6.30, I've completed my morning routine. Uh, or I do my journaling, I look at my goal board, my vision board, I look at my goal board, make sure I'm on track for my goals, I'm on track for my vision. Nice. 6.30, I go with my morning routine, uh, I go upstairs and I help get the kids ready for school. Wonderful. So that's my family time in the morning. I, I prioritize that, I get I go up there, uh, I get them ready, I feed them, you know, get, get them ready, my girlfriend's getting up, getting ready for work. She leaves to go take them and then my from there I get to work. If you if you like uh, Jim Quick and the book Limitless, you will enjoy a author. His name is Robert uh, Robin Schwarma. Uh, he has two awesome books. It's called The Everyday Hero and The Five A.M. Club. And he will, you know, you have a great early morning routine. And what he does is he breaks down the psychological, um, the behavioral, and he intertwines it with the the philosophy of doing or of, of having a powerful morning. So that, that's something that's right up your alley. I'll send you a uh, picture of the book because, like I said, if you like uh, Jim Quick and Limitless, you'll enjoy um, Robin Schwarma. Uh, that, that book, like every single paragraph that, that I've read is just like empowering, you know, and for, for, for the reader, it is, it's powerful and brilliant because we are taking thoughts of a more brilliant, sophisticated mind who has taken the time to take his thoughts, formulate them in sentences to engage the reader to provide imagery of whatever he's talking about. 
And it's like, dude, you know what? There it is. There it is. There it is. And now I know what I need to do. Um, I, I am a firm believer of of getting inspiration from everywhere and 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 anywhere, and whatever whatever more concentrated inspirational thing can you use to empower your belief system other than reading from another brilliant mind who has you know overcome and produced a lot of awesome things hey coach paul i am grateful of your time i don't want to take any more away from your day than what i have been blessed with so far so for those who who are listening right now who may be facing adversity last question is what message of hope or encouragement would you like to convey based on your experiences final thought from coach paul i love it i love it i want to stick with the idea of hope right and when i say the idea of hope it's because i have this belief system and this is an acronym this is not my acronym i stole this or borrowed this from someone else who's an amazing she's actually one of my coaches that i work with her name is jen batley mm -hmm. she's an amazing human being um and she has this acronym hope and hope stands for help one person every day. Nice. So if I can get up every single day, Ruben, and just help one person, and I can believe in my heart that if I help one person, that one person could potentially help someone else. Mm -hmm. I can create a ripple effect throughout the world. Yes. And if I can play a role in creating a ripple effect throughout the world, then I can put forth my effort to make the world a better place. Brilliant. And so if I approach every day like that with hope, understanding that I'm going to help one person today, for example, this podcast episode, when people listen to it, it's going to help at least one person. Yes. Every episode you create, Ruben, is helping at least one person. Yep. And we know it's helping more than one person. But if we can just say it helps one person, and if we can do this every single day, we can create that ripple effect that can eventually make the world a better place. And I want to be on the positive side of it. Yes. I want to be on the positive side that says, at the end of my days, I did my part to make the world a better place, and I actively worked towards helping people. Wonderful. That is a great final thought. You know, the, the crazy thing about this podcast or any podcast that is, you know, sowing the seeds of positivity, for example, you and I, we're having this one conversation, right? but it is going to be published for other people to hear. So the work is going to be done, but the message is always going to continue to be there. And because it's always there, who knows who's going to tune in to listen. And that limit is, it is infinite. We, you know, from the analytics that I have obtained from my, from my podcast, um, the way that I have been advertising, I'm part of marathon groups and Ironman groups and a bunch of other, you know, a bunch of other groups and someone, they will pose the question, Hey, how do I maintain discipline during this marathon? Um, I, I don't have the energy. I'm like, Hey, you know what? I created a podcast talking about that. So I would share it to them. And the next thing you know, I'm having analytics of people tuning in from all over the world because, you know, there, there's marathon runners from all over the world. There's Ironman people from all over the world. And that is the power of the Internet, the power of podcasting, and the power of, of sowing just positivity out there. So I thank you for putting in the hard work that you have put in that led you to be the man who you are today. Because, yeah, that ripple effect, 
it is going to continue. So thank you so much. Um, I've recently taken on a couple uh, business coaching clients and I'm helping them build out their business. So I've got a call coming up with, uh, with my, my boy Amir at two. And then I actually have, you know, I'm a firm believer in scheduling the, everything into my life. So I have a, uh, a pocket set aside for reading my limitless book. So I can continue to become limitless. So that's definitely on the agenda. And then my girlfriend flies home. She's uh, out in Seattle right now. So she, she flies home. I pick her up at six. And then uh, we're having date night, man. We're going to go, you know, get some, get some, some food, probably some sushi or something, and uh, go see a movie. Wonderful. Hey, that, that's blessings on blessings right there. Awesome. Hey. Yes, sir. Coach Paul, thank you so much. I'll let you go so you can get on to kicking some more butt and handling more business and bettering yourself and others. Until next time, brother, it's onward, always onward, and I will catch you down the road, Coach Paul. Thank you so much. You take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, too, Ruben. As we begin to draw the curtains close on this podcast episode, today's journey through strength, resilience, and redemption has been nothing short of inspiring. Our guest story, Coach Paul, the number one online coach, his story serves as a beacon illuminating the path from incarceration to empowerment. Through the highs and lows, he has not only conquered his past, but sculpted a future defined by psychological fortitude, physical vigor, spiritual depth, and financial prosperity. As we wrap up this episode of Gathering Strength, let his narrative echo in your own pursuits. Reflect on the lessons shared, the importance of mindset, the transformative power of physical strength, the guiding force of spirituality, and the strategic steps towards financial resilience. Remember, in the face of adversity, strength is not merely a force, it's a choice. Each challenge is an opportunity to gather strength, reshape your narrative, and ultimately to thrive. Join us in embodying the spirit of gathering strength where stories of triumph are told and the journey from struggle to success is a testament to the indomitable human spirit. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay resilient, stay strong, and keep gathering your strength. This is your boy Ruby Rube with Gathering Strength signing off. And until next time, it's onward. Always onward.